everyone. This is Lisa Welsh. I am with Vitality Farms Company, and you are listening to Microgreens for growers and consumers. So most of these episodes we've been focusing on for the last season have been different type of microgreens and what they are and what they taste like and what you could do with them. All great things. But in the last few weeks, it's been kind of crazy busy, which is great. We like busy. Um, we don't necessarily like crazy busy, but we do enjoy busy. There's been a few instances where I've come across a lot of growers. Um, I basically have a Facebook group for all the Florida growers. Um, at least I try to ask them all to join. Some people don't want to, I suppose. Um, and I try to create a community type environment where we can talk to each other. Um, basically, because I think the focus shouldn't be on me making money or you making money or whatever. Money should never be the center of what, why we do what we do. But I understand that there's a component, of course, that means I need to feed my family and so do you. But I prefer to think of us all as one unit that is going to try to serve everyone by providing great nutrients, great food, our knowledge, sharing it. So I like to look at it more of like that than as competition and I want your customer, you want mine. Because the one thing I have noticed is talking to about 120 microgreen growers pretty regularly. I talk to a lot of them. Even if they're your next door neighbor and they're growing microgreens, they probably aren't targeting the same customer. Why do I say that? Here's why. You can't be good at all things. You can only be good at some things. Or one thing, really. Um, any of the very successful microgreen growers that I have met, talk to, know, um, when they start, they do kind of jump around into a little bit of every pond. Um, they go a little here, a little there. And that's great. That is exactly what you should do. Find where your niche is. But you will find one. And unless you're... I'm not sure. I would say highly ambitious, but that's not right either. I would say for most of us, we find that balance where, okay, this is a lot of work and I'm swamped. I cannot go pursue new customers. Um, so you just stop. You, you stop because you've got enough customers to handle your um, barrel of apples, if you will. So these are your customers and and that those are the ones you secured and you're going to have a relationship with. So you don't necessarily need to worry so much about like, I'm going to service the entire country. Just me, myself. You're not going to do that. Not any one of us will. Um, we work as a collective. Even, it's just how it works. So, nonetheless, I had probably in the last two or three weeks, about three chefs, two consumers, and two other growers contact me. Well, why? Or am I telling you, you're wondering? Well, I'm telling you because if you are a grower, here's something you should learn. One, if your customer calls me looking for a product, guess what? I grow like a ton of microgreens. I probably have it. And if I can get it to them, guess what? Now, I have a relationship with this customer for providing a service that you could not. Don't let that happen to you. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb in 2021. You want to, if your customer's saying, hey, do you grow this? And you're like, nope, I don't grow it. Can't help you. Say, you know what? I don't grow it. I can't help you. But I am connected with several other growers in the area. Let me reach out and see if, 
if anybody locally does have that for you. And let me see what I can do for you. Because I can personally tell you from extreme experience, like many times, that the other growers, at least in Florida, will definitely help you if you have a need. Um, they don't even necessarily try to break you over the coals. They're just happy to help you and help you serve your customer. So needless to say, I had that happen a few times and I have no problem because I do have a relationship with quite a few growers um, locally or I have a Facebook page where I can say, help me, help me. Um, I do get pretty good results. I have not had somebody come to me with something that I could not absolutely get to them at all yet. And that I think is a pretty good accomplishment because people ask for some really weird things. You know what I'm saying? Like weird things. The only thing I ever usually have to say is the person who wants marigold and they want it like tomorrow because that just ain't gonna happen. I need some time. Um, but if you're in Florida or you're in anywhere and you have a customer who's looking for something, I highly recommend that you call some of us or find me on Facebook, send me a message, and if I find it, I will find it for you and, and get it to you. Because I think at the end of the day, if we're in an educational component, right? And anybody who knows anything about microgreens knows that there's so many people out there that think this is brand new. They think that microgreens was like just invented. It wasn't y'all. It's been around for a while. Sorry to say, I wanna think it was the 60s or the 70s. Um, the uber wealthy, not to say that anybody's not uber wealthy who listens to my show. Just gonna say the elite of the elite, they was eating microgreens since like the 70s. So if you're just hearing about it now, and you're in the 20, 2021, um, then you're probably not an uber, uber elite, like rich, rich, rich person. Or you are uber elite and you just don't pay attention to things. Um, a lot of people think that it's just literally because they just put parsley on top of food. That's just a garnish and it's not edible. But that's not true either. So anyhow, tangent over. Let's get to both of our shungaku and our salad mix. So here's the thing, shungaku, what is it? Well, long and short, sweet, it's basically daisies. That's right, it's a flowering plant that's in the daisy family. Um, it's native in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean region. Um, it's naturalized mostly in East, Af East Asia, sorry. And it's scattered in different locations throughout North America. So, if you're in one of the Eastern Asian countries, you're going to eat your shungaku or your uh, garland chrysanthemum, probably with a lot of Asian cuisines. Um, there's a lot of Asian vegetables, and they taste so good. If you've never tried them, you've got to try them. They're super delicious. Um, like, their leaves are used um, in a in a Ty Taiwanese oyster omelet, which, it sounds kind of weird, right? An oyster omelet? I don't know, I'm from the US. We basically steal every other culture's good food and then we dumb it down and make it more American and make it a little blander and then we call it great. Just saying. Um, but an oyster omelet sounds weird to me. But if I was in Taiwan, it probably wouldn't sound weird. It'd probably be very good. Maybe I'll try one one day. I don't know. I'm really funny about seafood. Um, but in different cultures, they do different things with it. A lot of times, like um, in Hong Kong, uh, it's found in casseroles. 
hot pots. Um, and here, what would we do with it? Well, we're probably gonna throw it in something. Like what? Well, first you better know what it tastes like. So let me tell you that first. It usually tastes kind of mustardy. Um, it has a crisp texture. So a lot of people describe it as watercress with a light bitterness. And I can just tell you personally, I don't like watercress. So if it tastes like watercress, I'm probably not gonna reach my hands out for some Shunguku. Now I think I have definitely eaten it many times as we grow it. Because when you start to grow different microgreens, you have to kind of pull them. Uh, well, I, at least I do. I kind of pull from them every day for a few days towards the end to see if the flavor changes or what I think of the flavor and texture at that time. Then I can find my ideal conditioning time. So, um, it's really popular in China, especially with stir fries. Which makes sense, right? Because it's got this nice little flavor. It's got a little crust, a little mustardy flavor. Why wouldn't you want a little seasoning to, to spice up your life? So, what could uh, chrysanthemum do for you? Well, it could do lots of things. Um, it has properties um, that have been reported to show to slow the release of glucose into the bloodstream. So basically, a lot of people consider it an excellent weight loss nutrient. Um, sorry, don't mind me you guys. I have my contacts in and they like to not work sometimes. What do you mean they don't work? I mean like if I close my eyes they just become very very blurry. Which probably means I should see an eye doctor. But I don't like seeing them. So I shall not. I should just eat more carrot microgreens and go on my day. Um, they did a huge case study in 2007 where they did an association between the vitamins, or sorry, vegetables that were rich in vitamin A. Um, and I want to think it was uh, 13 other vitamin supplements uh, using a food frequency questionnaire. So basically, they found that the people who consume higher amounts of vitamin A uh, reduced the risk of many things, one of them actually being lung cancer. I can try to find a link to that study and I'll put it in the show notes for you. Um, it was very interesting though to see exactly how, you know, you don't want to broadcast like, oh, if you eat this microgreen, you will not get something because we don't know that. We are definitely not doctors. And if you are a doctor, Cool, nice to meet your acquaintance. But if you're not, then you don't want to say that. So I usually say that this is what vitamins and minerals are in it. These are what those things are, are known to do based on the research that has been done. Well, why, Lisa? Why hasn't all this research been done if it's been around since the 70s? Man, I don't know everything. But what I do know is that they're now testing things. And I know for a fact that there are several products and several ways of things that are going to be tested in the next few months that are going to open up some doors. So, if you expect to see change, hang on because change is a coming. The other thing a lot of people do, especially in um, the Asia and other countries, um, because it's predominantly in Asia, would be they use food as medicine. 
Well, don't we do that here in the United States? No, we suck at that. We don't do that as much as they do in other countries. So, like, they use daisy, you know, microgreens or whatever as a way to lower fevers, colds, headaches, microbial, uh, microbial infections, dry eyes, constipation, kidney stones, prevent strokes, um, and it helps use, reduce your appetite. So that's how they use it, right? So they go out and they find some plants and, and they make it work for them. We, we hop in our car, we drive to a drugstore, we get some medicine made out of we don't know, and we take it in our bodies and then we go home, we sleep on the couch. Very different mindset. Um, not that either one is right or wrong, because honestly, I'm a chicken when it comes to going outside and messing with the plants. Now you know my deep, dark secret. We grow microgreens, and thank goodness we farm in our house. Because if I had to farm outside, I know it would happen. Because it always happens to me. The big snakes, they find me. They find me and they slither past me, and they think it's okay. Because they don't want to mess with me. They don't care about me. But I, I do not find it okay. I run, I cry, I scream. I jumped on a fence once and yelled for my husband to come outside. And, well, he took too long. And then when he came outside, he only came outside to walk past the snake to me on the fence, literally screaming for my life, to tell me that I had to walk back to the house by myself. My husband does not <laughs> subscribe to my definite... Uh, I guess I would call it paranoia or fear of snakes. So I prefer not to farm outside. That's probably why I started farming much later in life. Um, because if I got a choice, uh, there's nothing that I'm going to want to do that's going to put me at risk of seeing a snake. So, they also use... Now look, if you need this, this is just knowledge, no judgment. A lot of people also use shungaku, so garland chrysanthemum, uh, to treat gonorrhea. And uh, the root causes a pellitory tingling sensation on the tongue. So, other people also use it for a gargle or mouthwash if you have a sore throat. So there's a lot of um, uses for it. I think some even use it for acne, because I want to think my son asked me that. Yeah, I think he did. Um, so there's a lot of different great things that vitamins and minerals and enzymes that are in Shungaku that can help us in our life. This is true with all microgreens. This is true with all vegetables, really. Probably the only thing it's not true with is the processed stuff that comes in bags that we buy in our grocery stores. Our grocery stores are four, three quarters of the way filled with aisles and aisles of processed food. And the only place you'll find anything that is truly healthy for you is on the outer edge. That's why most people shop just the outside of the store. Because that's where they put all the freshest stuff. So, now that we've talked about the freshest stuff, we should talk about salad. Because, like I said, Lisa's been behind. I had a lot happening. And there's some big things hopefully I'll get to share with you soon. Just waiting on some ink to dry. Um, but salad. So, in my salad mix, which, look, I'm not even trying to be original. I buy from True Leaf. Um, so it contains broccoli, uh, kale, uh, kohlrabi, arugula, and red acre cabbage. 
Now my spicy, my spicy salad mix that just contains the added microgreen of mustard. But I have been experimenting lately. So when I talk about salad mix, I'm basically talking about the most common one, which is pretty much a, a mixture of most of your brassicas. Well, why are they brassicas? Well, if you listen to our shows, then you know that brassicas are like super easy to grow, super low maintenance, super tolerant of a lot of things, and they contain that sulfurophane, which they're seeing huge results with other testing that they're doing regarding sulfurophane uh, or cellophane, whatever you say it. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people are really into broccoli, and I think that's why a lot of people are into um, broccoli being one of the main components in the salad mix. Now, a lot of other growers make their own salad mix, which I think is great. Everybody should make their own salad mix. Because here's the thing. If we can do the same thing, why wouldn't you want to make yourself a little bit different from everybody else? Like, in a world full of roses, y'all should be sunflowers. For real. Well, what do you mean? What's being a sunflower? You have to just do your own thing. You have to find your own truth, I guess, is probably the way I would look at it. Um, because we don't want to be like everybody else. At least I don't. Because um, I definitely don't fit in with everybody else. So I just kind of do my own thing. Um, so, let's see. Anyhow, that I derailed with sunflowers. Um, basically, you got broccoli, which is going to have, it's known for the sulfurophane. And so it's known to help do sulfurophane. That's right. Um, it also is in other carnivorous vegetables like cauliflower. Um, and then actually, I don't know if you guys know this because I didn't know this for a while either. So when we talk about microgreens, most people will tell you that broccoli's up there because it has a lot of sulfurophane and it contains a lot of, I think it's like 20 some percent. Um, I mean, more than everyone else as far as the adult vegetable. But, because, because broccoli is one of the highest levels, um, especially at the microgreen and sprout stages, for sulfurophane, everybody wants to eat it. Um, but, it's interesting to know that I want to think it's turnip. I wrote it down. You ever write things down? And then you can't find them. And for me, that's definitely true today because I recorded this episode 18 times before I gave up. I could not get it done. And y'all know I don't really edit my stuff, right? It's pretty much just whatever comes out of my mouth you hear. Sorry about that. Um, but my dogs were so loud and my life was just the husband and the kids. I don't know. They just, I couldn't do it. So it took me a few weeks to just deal with them and then get back to it because well it's not about COVID so much as to say that my son is a teenager and he goes out with his friends at night and I'm old and I go to bed and then my husband he's home during the day because we're farmers and he needs me to work with him on some things and he likes it when I work with him and honestly I do too um so he becomes a distraction sometimes and I don't get things done in the best time frame but I'm working on it what I was going to say I think though was I think it was kale um it's, I still can't find it but 
I will look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. I think it's kale. Kale has more sulfuric vein than even broccoli. But I had never seen that study before until until recently. Because if you don't know anything about me, you know that there's one thing I'm always doing. And that is checking out all the latest research about um, what's happening. Like, as a fact, in, what was it, 2018, so two years ago, right? There was a study published in a cancer prevention research magazine and talked about broccoli micrograms. And they said that it was more beneficial um, in breast cancer prevention than in adulthood diet. So that means that they're finding that eating the broccoli isn't necessarily good for your overall health, but it's so good for the prevention of breast cancer that their charts were off the hook or off the chain. Again, but that's one study. And I don't know about you, but I'm of the mindset, you find one study that says you can, you find one study that says you can't. And that's where I get confused. So I've been in an effort to learn more, trying to read up everything on all of them as the studies come out, which is quite exhausting. But I want to think it was uh, kale, I think, ended up having more um, sulfurophane than anything else. So, let's see. Yep, oh, there it is. I knew it was somewhere. It does say it. So yeah, it's kale. So kale has more sulfurophane, according to this one study, than anything else. But up until that one study, I had never heard that before. I heard it was broccoli by itself. Um, and so, this sulfurophane, you can keep hearing a lot about it. Why? Uh, because it's barely that impressive. Am I impressed? I don't know. I think if it can help someone with cancer or diabetes or losing weight, I think if anything is better for you, I definitely know the chips aren't. So, well, I'm not going to say don't follow prescribed medicine because I'm not a doctor. I'm going to say follow what your doctor says because we hope that they go to school and make a lot of money for a reason. But if I know that certain elements and certain products have enzymes naturally occurring in them, then I know that my food also can play a role in my health. So I'm going to look at that too. Like I was talking to a lady um, and her daughter was uh, grew up in Europe. And as soon as she saw my booth, she stopped. She turned around and said, oh my goodness, can't find anything like this around here. And I thought to myself, well that's nice. I wish they would Google me then because I hope to come up in a Google, Google search. Um, so that I am finding customers that are looking for microgreens. But... Uh, she basically was saying the same thing that I think I've told you guys before. We were in Ireland. They have sugar taxes. You don't go buy your candy bars without thinking about it twice. And here in the United States, we don't have that. So we don't we don't eat it as much. So I think it does. I think our fast-paced lifestyles do us a disservice, especially in this regard. Um, but they found out that again, it has anti-diabetic properties, anti-cancer properties. Um, it makes you grow old, healthier, and then, um, it reduces the symptoms of autism. And that one I found kind of interesting because, um, I always find it interesting when they say that your food can change your children or if you have a child with autism. Because as a parent of a child who had behavioral issues or whatever and who themselves 
could definitely be labeled as someone with ADHD. At the very least, they have been labeled with like 15 different things. But then they change their mind. So, I don't know. If they can't be consistent on their diagnosis, I definitely can't be consistent on my thought of what I think of them. So, how can food change the way my brain works? Like, that sounds crazy to me, right? Doesn't it sound a little off to you? That's so true. So, I had a child, um, ADHD. Um, nothing out of the... Oh, actually, he was he was naughty. He was naughty off the chain. Um, but he was naughty just because it was he was trying to be him. He was trying to find out who he was in the world. And when we're born, we're taught no and don't do that and do this and uh, do what society expects and anything that you would have to be on your own in your own creative mind. We don't want to see that. And I don't care what generation you are. I have seen parents do it for every generation that I've ever witnessed in my 40-some years. I know I'm not that old, but in 40 years, I've seen a lot of people with kids. And whether you mean to or not, and you may not stifle your kids, and I'm not saying you do or don't. I don't really care. That's between you and your kid. But I'm saying is a lot of times we do it without realizing it, or we don't know how to help them because that's what we learned. You can only teach or do what you know. Um... And even if we try to be different or better than sometimes, when we look back, we're kind of still the same a little bit. So my son is now 18. He used to be on medication for ADHD, uh, a pill, literally, a pill a day from the age of four to 18. It's 14 years he took his meds. He just took himself off against my judgment. And you know, it probably should be shame on me. There was times when I had thought about changing his diet to help him. But that was too much work. It was easier for me to just give him a pill and go about my day. Um, and I don't like to admit that. But it is true. So I also can look at the mirror and be honest. Because it was just easier. And there's a lot of parents that do really try to bring out that nutrients for those kids. But it's so much work. And you know why it's so much work? Because you got to read his studies and studies and studies and you get this advice and then sometimes you'll read a study that gives you conflicting advice and you're never really sure. And because it's your kid, you don't want to be wrong. At least I didn't. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have still done it the same way I did it because it's what we had to do at the time to just make it. Um, and now he's the one who yells at me that he wants to eat healthier and more microgreens and more of this or more of that. Um, it's just, you know, we all come for different reasons from different things. And me, I don't cook much. My mom is a chef. And so that kind of created this disdain for chefs and cooking and food. Um, no, I mean, I like food. Like, I like food a lot. But it made me not want to put the effort into it because I felt like sometimes the food and the the culinary dish got more more love than I did which is also preposterous so now I feel like I'm in therapy right now anyhow are you guys done listening to my therapy session basically it's good for your skin it's good for your anti-inflammation it's good for you eat your vegetables but you already know this I tell you this every week so here's what I'm going to tell you this week so shungaku Chinese or garland chrysanthemum daisies that's what it is 
Daisies grow everywhere. So, you can grow some Shunkaku. Throw it in a dish. Delicious. If you want to, again, continue to increase your... Um, basically, your Brassica family. Throw some salad mix together. Now, you can make your own salad mix. And actually, I do prefer my own salad mixes. I was doing that for a little while. I backed off a little bit. Um, because I think we're... I don't know, 40 or 50 microgreens at the moment. And I know... And let me give you a tip of advice. Don't do that. Don't have that many microgreens. I have that many microgreen seeds for a multitude of reasons. Not because I grow them all, because honestly I don't. Um, but I do know how to grow every single one of them on some level. Um, but that's part of the fact that we have a seed dealer and we purchase certain things for people because they need it um, for different reasons. And we combine it to make additional things for other projects that we're working on but if you're going to start growing microgreens you don't need to sell 40 or 50 flavors of microgreens because that's just crazy y'all that's crazy you heard it here first but what you do need to do is you need to create some friends you need to reach out to the other microgreen growers and and please for all y'all that come to my booth and you like stand there and you ask me like 50 million questions I know you're going to grow microgreens, and I don't care. I would prefer you tell me that first. Then I can just get to the, the heart of the matter with you and, and give you my number until you can call me with your questions. But if I'm at the booth trying to sell microgreens, and you're literally just there to, to get information, again, I don't mind. But please, please, just um, let me help the customers that are trying to learn or the people that need to learn about our nutrients and other products. And take my cell phone number, call me book some time with me at book um, like a boss because I'm trying to change the world that is my truest most purest goal at its most basic level I want to change the world why because I'm just that crazy enough to think I can do it actually I know I will do it and I do it whether it's one customer at a time whether it's one grower at a time it's gonna take a lot of people to do a lot of things to make change and it's time. It is so time for things to be different. And I hate change. I hate, I hate, I hate change. But sometimes you, when you know it's coming, you just need to put yourself in a situation where you try to bring the goodness through in that change that's coming. So that's what I'm trying to do. But if again, if you're growing and you want to grow and you want to ask me a million questions, dude, you can do that. You can come in the morning before I start my market. You can come after I finish my market. Or you can call me anytime. And you can find my information because it's on my website all over the place. And I will help you with whatever you need. Because um, I do believe in in that transparency. And I believe, honestly, if I can save somebody from making some of the same mistakes I did, then that's awesome. Because now I helped you grow your microgreens three weeks faster. And by doing that... You got to serve a customer who then goes out and does something else and whatever. And that's how we change the world. One person at a time. Because you never know whose life you can change by giving some great vegetables to. I can't tell you how many growers I meet. And I literally mean there's like about five, five people that come up to my booth almost every week. Different people, of course. From all throughout the state of Florida. Wanting to grow microgreens and, and how do they do that and... And that's just in my little market. 
I can't imagine how many of you guys that are out there listening, or even just with my Florida growers, meet other people who are going to start growing uh, microgreens. And I will tell you, it is a very fulfilling thing, but I'll tell you one thing else, because this is the one thing that people seem to forget. They think if you come and you grow vegetables, you're going to be rich. I don't know about you, but I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. Like, a lot. I ain't never seen no rich farmer. I mean, like, I saw, like, farmers who have, like, these nice ranches and stuff. And big equipment. But, for the most part, they'd be in, like, the overalls. And they were, like, down-to-the-earth kind of people. And they was not, um, the same people eating caviar, sipping on yachts and champagne. So, make sure you realize... You know, and make sure that your goals for whatever you do, why ever you do what you do, isn't purely driven by money or any one thing, because life is about many things, and it's about what matters most to you. So, you guys have a great time, enjoy the week, and I'm, my aim is to be back to normal, uh, getting you guys an episode a week. And I apologize for the delay, but like I said, it was a crazy two weeks. I had a friend get her car stolen, I had... A kid who took himself off his medication. I had um, a big contract that I'm working on, which is going to be huge. Um, and just a lot of things. So here we are, back at it. Never mind my background noise, because I am a real person who lives in a real world with real problems and real things. And I trust that you are too. So enjoy the grace that we have for each other today and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.